This is another episode of the Dakota Resource Council podcast. It is Friday, January 22nd, the year 2021. And since it is our first podcast in this grand new year, I would like to wish you all a happy new year. COVID's still around. Sadly, we're still dealing with all that mess, but uh, we are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and uh, we just need to maybe kick it in the high gear towards that light because we're getting closer, but it's not going as fast as we'd like it to. So hopefully we get back to normal. But the reason why we are doing this podcast is because the 67th legislative session is going on right here in Bismarck and things are going business as usual, just a little different. We are now once again using Zoom. Uh, Zoom is available to anyone who wants to testify at hearings. So basically, you can sit at home in your slippers and, and testify if you want. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. We are going to concentrate on some bills. Uh, each week, all DRC members will get a weekly update, either Friday or Saturday, depending on what's going on on those days. Uh, we have committee hearings on Thursday and Friday at the end of the week. So sometimes you'll get these uh, updates late Friday or early Saturday, depending on how Thursday and Friday go. But uh, we do send those out. We want to use this podcast to talk a little further about bills, uh, go into them a little bit more, and uh, why they're good, why they're bad, what we need to do. So this is why I'm here, apparently. You're stuck with me again. So I apologize. Send all complaints to Scott Skokis and care of DRC. So we can get into it right away. We got some egg bills out there. We uh, will also talk uh, oil and gas. But first... We have DRC member Randy Kuhn. He has been involved in uh, the uh, issues of CAFOs, especially around the Buffalo, North Dakota area. He's been doing a lot of research on these things. He's been speaking out uh, why they're bad. And let's kick it off with Mr. Kuhn. And with that, we do have Randy Kuhn on the line, a DRC member. Uh, Randy, how are you doing today? Doing well. We are uh, wanting to talk about House Bill 1115. And if you want to describe to the members and our, our listeners uh, what that bill is and why it was a concern to our uh, DRC members, especially around the Buffalo area, because it, it has to do with CAFOs, right? Correct. It is. Yes. The biggest concern to me was that they were going to take uh, the power to permit and oversee these CAFOs away from Department of Environmental Quality and transfer that to the uh, Ag Commissioner's office. So um, that's, that's a bit of a fox that in the hen house, huh? Kind of, yeah, exactly. That's kind of the way I think you'd describe it best. That's kind of what we saw. We thought that um, the Ag Commissioner's been out of state recruiting these CAFOs, these big corporations from Minnesota to come in and set these up. And how could he be objective in doing the permitting process and even evaluating the oversight on them? So, so with that, uh, is this bill still going, or or has it been pulled, or what's what's going on currently with this bill? It's been withdrawn. So, as far as we know, it hasn't been you know rewritten or shown up somewhere else yet. But it, the, as it was, one fifteen has been withdrawn. So basically, uh, as DRC members and DRC staff, we're just going to be basically watching for this. Any any sneaky suspicions? Because yeah, it, it's probably not good for the A commissioner to have authority on that. Um, a lot of the worries in the first place were, you know, environmental qualities with odor and and just the overall pollution around a CAFO, and and no one really wants that. That was one of our biggest concerns, you know, when we saw the one being cited in Buffalo was the size of it and then the amount of um, pollution that it would cause. Um, we felt it'd be pollution because of the location. It's on a very 
environmentally sensitive area in our community. Uh, it's on the old Lake Agassiz shoreline, which has very unique soil types. So that was a concern. The size of the project, the amount of manure, I think there's like 11.4 million gallons they'd have to get rid of annually. So we had a lot of concerns. Um, and it kind of all boiled down to um, the pollution that would cause. And um, people talk about, you know, just the smell. Smell is not really what the problem is. The problem is what causes the smell. It's the hydrogen sulfide, ammonia, and methane that they're constantly venting into our atmosphere. And whoever's downwind is going to have to put up with that. And there is medical consequences with those chemicals. Yeah, it is not healthy. And, and uh, you know, just want to thank you and the other members that have been keeping an eye on this. You've uh, been a very valuable member to uh, DRC with your uh, research and watching out for these things as of uh, our other members of, of DRC. So thank you, Randy, for all the work. And I guess we'll just uh, keep to the grindstone on that legislative website and watch these bills and watch for wording and um, just try to keep North Dakota a healthy place here. And we'll just keep on doing our best, huh? We'll re- we really appreciate the work the DRC is doing to watch these bills and to keep people informed. And it- it's a valuable service. We appreciate it very much. Well, we thank you, Randy. I appreciate it. So with that, Bill, we will move on to uh, Mr. Scott Skokas, who is executive director of the Dakota Resource Council. Uh, we'll talk some uh, oil and gas bills out there and uh, other such bills that we are keeping an eye on. Scott, uh, I think we could agree that uh, the landscape in, in oil and gas right now is a little different than 2013. And, and taking a look at a few bills that have been introduced, I think you'll join me in saying that you're a little shocked, but also a, a little happy. So, so what do we have to be happy about in oil and gas in this legislative session? So there's finally a recognition by um, the Industrial Commission and um, Lynn Helms that they need to deal with potential liability of abandoned wells in the future um, and the need to uh, find responsible parties to clean up those wells. So there's two bills. One is about abandoned wells and the other one is about responsible parties. So the first one that we were surprised about was Senate Bill 2064, which is a bill that allows the Industrial Commission and Lindhelm's as the regulator to find a responsible party when um, a company essentially abandons its assets or its oil wells. So essentially what it does is it makes it so at least a corporate officer or somebody can be discovered and then made liable if a company essentially goes bankrupt or and then leaves a bunch of oil wells abandoned. So that's a really good first step because currently that is not on the books. And essentially what's what's happened is Companies will abandon an oil well, they'll go through the bankruptcy process, and then there's going to be nobody for them to go after whatsoever. And what this bill will do is allow it so that the the regulators can actually find somebody who's responsible um, to help pay for those cleanup costs so it doesn't fall on the taxpayers. Yeah, and that kind of goes for these like medium companies that come here and try to make a quick buck. Let, let's just call yep. them Scocus Industries out of Michigan. And then, <laughs> and then they just kind of leave an abandoned well and trying to track these people down and have them responsible. And you can't even get to Scocus Industries in Michigan. You yeah, know? exactly. That's or you can't even find a, a responsible party because they've sold off their assets or they're in bankruptcy or whatever. So this this allows the state to go around some of those things, which is good. That bill was actually opposed by the Chamber of Commerce because they said it didn't make it look like a, a good business environment for oil and gas which I would disagree with. Like we don't want 
as taxpayers, uh, anyone in North Dakota doesn't necessarily want to pay for um, oil wells that they didn't drill. So exactly, and and that's the last thing that landowners uh, want to worry about is uh, how is my land going to get cleaned up and who's going to pay for it? Because I, as a taxpayer, I know I don't want to clean up someone's mess. I mean, that's just me, but it's the corporate. I, corporate entities responsibility i agree and like that's why that bill is good um and obviously it was opposed because it provide it it makes it so there's more liability for people who are developing oil so i could see why the com- the department of, or the chamber of commerce would oppose it but also i disagree because uh, us, us as taxpayers and and the landowners that are members of drc should not have to uh pay for the cleanup of oil wells that they did not drill. Exactly. So, well, what what else is coming out of the Industrial Commission? Because there there were a couple, right? Yeah. There, so the second one is in the House. It's called it's House Bill 1054. 2064 is mainly for that situation where they, they literally can't find a company that's liable for that particular well because the company's gone. So that now they can, that way they can go after a person. Um, HB 1054 is not necessarily for that situation. It's for the situation kind of in the middle. So oil wells will be abandoned, they'll be abandoned, but they won't be orphaned. So orphaned is there's no owner, right? Yeah, the company yeah. that owned it is gone. Like they don't exist. They've gone bankrupt or whatever, and they can't find an owner. In that case, it's good to try to find a responsible party through like the corporate entities and all that kind of stuff. With 1054, what it does is when a company decides to abandon oil well or stop pumping, with, within a certain amount of time, it goes abandoned. And what that bill is doing is it's requiring that the Industrial Commission puts any abandoned wells that meet a certain criteria on a single well bond that is commiserate with the cost of cleanup. Okay. So what that does is that reduces liability for the Industrial Commission. And it, it forces companies that are going to abandon assets to then put up the money for cleanup so they can't just uh, sit there on an abandoned well. And then eventually, if, they, if it's not profitable to re-drill, or to re-drill uh, that well, they can't just walk away and not pay for the cleanup. So uh, specifically, th- that also addresses some issues with blanket bonding. So blanket bonding allows for companies to put a certain amount of wells on a $100,000 bond. I think it's like six to eight wells. Oftentimes... Wells cost anywhere from ten to a hundred thousand, or even larger amounts to reclaim or plug and reclaim. So, what ten fifty four does is it gives the state the financial assurance once a well goes into the abandoned status that there's going to be enough money in that bond structure to clean that up. That that's essentially what it does. Well, where where were these in the eighties and nineties? And I, you know, I, I shouldn't be complaining because yeah, the, we, it's been needed, but this this kind of been needed for a long time. Yeah, I mean. For the for folks who are listening to this that were around during other oil busts, we're still cleaning up some of those wells presently. There was a CARES Act program that was plugging wells, I think it was like 600 wells or so. And those, a lot of those wells were from the 80s. And the main reason that we had all those orphaned wells that we had to reclaim was because they could not find owners for those companies. Um, and, th- and those wells were not on single well bonds. So these are fixes that are actually just necessary financial protections to the taxpayers in North Dakota. And I'm glad that the North Dakota industrial commission is thinking like this because typically they were not thinking about uh, reclamation in the past. They're mainly thinking about how can we increase production? So now that I think there's been a pause, a lull in production, they're kind of evaluating things and realizing that they need to be more proactive in ensuring that cleanup is going to happen and they have the financial backing to do so through through bonds and things like that. Well, that's great. It, it is good news. So at least uh, we kind of went into the legislative session that first week after hearing that on a 
very positive note. You know, we've got oil and gas and, and other issues. Are there any other bills that members should just, I mean, every week we'll be sending updates, but, you know, we want to use this podcast to just kind of describe a couple of bills out there that, uh, you know, we're keeping an eye on. Things can change quickly. Wording can change quickly. I mean, Scott, you know of all because you're running around following this and testifying and, and doing this on behalf of members. Are there any other bills out there uh, that the podcast listeners should know about? So as far as on the, um, on the agriculture side of things, uh, there's going to be a bill that will be introduced next week. And I believe that's going to establish, if, if, if passed, would establish a soil health committee statewide that would deal with soil health. So it essentially creates a culture of, of creating better soil in the state, which has lots of co-benefits like uh, sequestering carbon, making it so you can grow better crops. You can, you can graze cattle better because you have better grass growing. You have more um, healthy soil that can really just make, make it so the plant life thrives and um, at the same time sequester carbon in that soil. So that's a bill that's being introduced likely by Merrill Pepcorn. And we'll see probably a bill number on that towards the end of the week. And uh, we'll likely support that bill. Uh, there's also going to be a couple bills surrounding uh, appropriations that we're looking at around soil health and cover crops. So uh, we'll stay tuned for those. I'm not sure if those are going to be like kind of buried in a, in a budget for the ag, ag department or something like that. But we have uh, heard rumors that there's going to be some stuff around that. Um, one of them in particular may be a, um, a lottery system for folks who want to plant cover crops, kind of like a hunting lottery system. So if you wanted to plant some additional cover crops um, on your property and test that out, if you uh, you apply for a lottery and then you can get like a per acre payment for uh, doing for your seeds, seed acquisition for cover crops. So if you wanted to do barley with your, like do barley or some other um, crop along with your wheat or whatever um, is appropriate, um, that might be something as well. So there's, there's, there's multiple kind of things going on. But we'll see more in the next couple of weeks um, as far as uh, proactive bills that we're working on. Perfect. And and you just stay tuned. If you're a DRC member, uh, I recommend just keep an eye on your email or check out these podcasts. We'll try to do uh, weekly updates on the podcast uh, when necessary. And um, also, Scott, it is, it is a little different because about uh, we're coming up on a year of kind of closing down the office because of the COVID pandemic and testifying is a little different this year. And, and DRC recently held a session that uh, if you, if you missed it, we can send it to you or we might actually have a second session on, on how you testify this year, because everything is on our magical friend zoom, who I, I didn't think would be our good friend this year, but it certainly has been. So I know that you have testified online, and um, I'm not sure if you were wearing pants or not, but it was waist up, so who knows? You could be like the sports center guys. But uh, how how is the Zoom testifying? Uh, the good thing is, is people can be in their slippers and testify and not drive all the way to Bismarck. So there's there's pluses and minuses to it. Um, for the most part, how I'm how DRC staff's going to operate is we're going to do most of our testimony from home. Um, occasionally, I think on certain bills, we may go to the Capitol when we need to really like meet with people, obviously socially distanced with masks on. But I think like the main thing to say is like it allows DRC members to really participate from their homes, which is something we've never had the advantage of in the past. 
the pro how the process works is you typically have to submit your testimony um, through a portal and um, we'll be sending around a PowerPoint explaining that. And there's also some video links that you can find online, but basically you, you submit your testimony uh, to, to the committee that you want to testify with um, through an online portal at the, at the legislature's website the day before most likely. And then you have to appear essentially for the, for most of the hearing, just in case they go through um, all your bills. So if your hearing starts at nine, your ears is slated for 10, you want to get there early, like on the zoom link, just so that they can get you in there. If the hearing goes faster. Um, that's one thing we've kind of learned is that the hearing times that they put on the website aren't necessarily accurate because some of the, the uh, committees go through multiple bills quickly and they slate it out like between an hour and 45 minutes for each bill, but some bills only take 15 minutes. That's one thing. The other thing I'll note is that um, just make sure that your zoom is working or if you're going to do, do phone uh, testimony, just make sure you have a good phone connection because that's, that's the, the kind of things that are deal breakers for them. They're not going to want to listen to somebody if they can't hear. Them, yeah, so. exactly. And I, I mean, like you said, positives and negatives to all this. And I'd say like the main thing too, is like just for members, you, when you're on the Zoom link, when you, if you if and when any of you do testify, you're not going to get the visual feedback that you would get in a committee room because what ends up happening is you're on a screen looking at yourself essentially, um, and you don't get to look at the committee. So just note that you're not going to get that visual feedback. The one advantage is you can read directly from your testimony if you wanted to, or your talking points right in front of you, versus having to like look like you're looking down at a piece of paper at, at the lectern if you're not totally prepared. So it does allow you that flexibility, but at the same time, like you're not going to get the full legislature experience where you can go talk to committee members after the hearing and things like that. So. Yeah. Well, it's all good information for folks. And if you have any questions, feel free to call us at the office, 224-8587, or uh, email us, info at drcinfo.com. And if you're interested in testifying or have any more questions, just let us know. And we'll let you know if we have a second session, or um, I do believe we've recorded the last session. Uh, we'll see how that, that is. But uh, either way, we will help you and just let us guide you through the process. That's what we're here for. So thank you very much, Mr. Scott. You have a glorious day and uh, we'll catch you next week.